Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to show number 152 of the Jimmy Palumbo Show. That's right. Coming to you live from downtown Mawa in his average dining room studios. Of course, behind the glass, your friend and mine, Dave Sturgio, coming to you from downtown Mattawa, New Jersey, from the media capital of the world, chop sports, media, podcasting, and social media, marketing, everything. Dave Sturgio. Good evening, everybody. How are we doing, Dave? Oh, good, man. Fresh off the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, won some money there. That was fun. And uh, I do wearing- have to say. Jimmy, you you left out a huge component of this week's open. What did I say? Based off of my research on the platform that we post on, we are now internationally known Ah. Jimmy Palumbo. We had two downloads last week from Germany. Ah. (laughs) So Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the internationally, globally famous Jimmy Palumbo show. That's up. Jimmy Palumbo here live from downtown. See, Frankfurt. Now. <laughs> Frankfurt, Germany here. I remember my first game in Frankfurt back in 74. Um, that's great. We are now global. Um, probably a buddy of mine had business in uh, Germany and watched the show from there. Um, <laughs> that's it. Now, we're at show number 152. And, of course, we have a really cool show today. We have a guest coming on in a little bit. That ought to mm-hmm. be fun. And, of course, you know damn well those of you scoring at home, absolute eyewear sponsors. Jimmy Palumbo presents his shitty baseball cards. That's right. Of course, this one is very unique. <laughs> and I'm, you're going to be, I, I think it's going to be unique the way I end it. If I do it well, if I dramatically do it well, then you'll be okay. impressed. If not, you're going to be like, that was awful. Anyway. <laughs> if not a false flag. Go ahead. So my guy is Mr. This from the 92 card, Mr. John Ceruti. Now, John Ceruti was a pitcher. Seven years with Toronto and Detroit from 1985 to 1991. Other than that, not much about him is interesting at all. I mean, he was 49 and 43 mm-hmm. with a 3.94 ERA, started 116 games, 861 innings pitched. Uh, he struck out about 400 guys. In the postseason, was very good. He pitched two games and give up a run. Uh, in 1987, he was 11 and four with a 4.4 ERA. That's worth about 12 million dollars a year today. And in '89, he was at 11 and 11 with a 3.07 ERA, 31 starts. And that, of course, you start your number one starter for half the teams in the Major League Baseball. <laughs> he's from Albany, New York, so he's an mm. East Coast guy. He was a first round pick in the draft, 21st player. There's a lot of baseball players out there. That's pretty good. And here's a little again, Jimmy Palumbo show. This is why I'm on the air. He got the first win in the Sky Dome in, Tor- in Toronto. So someone said, who won the first game here? Jimmy Palumbo wow. says he, John Cerruti. Um, however, in 2004, last game of the season, he had already mm-hmm. switched into broadcasting, doing games on the Toronto network up there. Uh, he had been doing games since 91. Yankees at Toronto, last game of the season. He had 20 friends and family there. He didn't show up at the 11 a.m. meetings for the game. And family was like, where is he? I guess days before cell phones. And they went to his hotel. And sadly, he died of a massive widowmaker heart attack. In mm. shape, golfer. They said he was one of the best baseball player golfers, uh, like in that circuit, you know, Tony Romo shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he died of a heart attack at age 44. Uh, and that was it. Nothing, you know, they honor him every year. Cause supposedly he was like a really good guy did everything. Right. Went to the broadcasting booth. Supposedly he was very good at that. 
And uh, he just dropped dead in his hotel room. Three kids and everything. It's 20 years ago. But Terrible. Um, so a very sad ending to John Cerruti. And, and a they sad get, beginning to the Jimmy Palumbo show. Yes. Yeah, so uh, my car died tragically. John wow. Cerruti. Anyway, um, uh, shout out to his family. I hope uh, it's been, been a while now, 16, 17 years. Hope they're okay. I think they're um, doing all right. So um, you never know. Uh, the So what do you got? All right. Well, look, uh, like I said, Chris Gucci has left this show with a lot of things. And uh, uh, one of the bigger things now is a brand new stack of baseball cards. Uh, when I say new, I mean very old. I believe these cards were printed in 1987. Uh, so this is in a 1987 Tops series. That's from baseball. Was real. Baseball yeah, was real in 87. I know. I know. So, but unfortunately, uh, not going on par with the theme of this show, where usually the cards suck. Like you usually don't pick a really good guy. Unfortunately, right on top, a very young, spry, iron horse himself, Cal Ripken. Oh, so, Cal Ripken. Yeah, was so, in the league. Not that old. Uh, yeah, I guess he was. Well, according to this thing, he got he was there in eighty. He started in the eighty one. Right. Uh, this is nineteen eighty six card. So, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, Cal it's funny. They have the, see, see his career is not taken off yet, right? Because it's nineteen eighty six. Decent player, but he wasn't the Cal Ripken we know now. No, but the funny thing is these uh, these cards always have the fun facts on uh, the player. That's the best. That's so the best. this fun fact is very generic. Cal's brother Billy also plays within the Orioles organization. And that's it. That's all. <laughs> Billy Ripken also exists. Okay. Um, but I bring this up to you, Jimmy, and I think you can agree with this. Cal Ripken's baseball games played streak record. Yeah. That will be the one record that can never, ever, ever be touched in any sport, right? That's the number one record that will never be well, touched. I mean, based off of rest well, days well, well, and two, shit like that. To, uh, yeah, I always do this. Number one, Garrick's record lasted for what fifty years. Yeah. Um, in today's game, if you're playing that long, you're making forty million dollars a year. Uh, they rest you when they want to mm -hmm. rest you, and also, uh, Ripken's record was actually a little more impressive because he played most. He played more full nine innings. Lou Garrick one time got his like hand caught in a, in a meat grinder, and he still like he let off the game with a base hit, of course, and. Uh, <laughs> And he played with broken toes, and they took him out of games a lot. Uh, but there's a lot of rumors about a one game. You ever hear the Cal Ripken rumors? Should we do it on this family show? Yeah, absolutely. Considering, goes, considering last week we almost broke the internet that we okay. actually didn't break the internet, but go ahead. As the story goes, in the middle of the streak, and the streak, and you know, he was maybe a couple hundred games away from Lou Gehrig. His, I don't know, marital issues, somebody fooling around with somebody. It's mostly like there was a blackout in Baltimore. Like six people didn't have power. And the owner was like, he knew Cal Ripken wasn't going to make it in. And he was like, we can't cancel the game. It's a danger. That's, that's the rule. Now, if that's true, uh, that's all. I, I could definitely see that, especially if they know he's like in shooting range of this record. Right. And, you know, yeah, like I can suppose he was a player with another player or something like that. I don't know who the other guy listen. That's mm. like the uh, Dave Winfield, uh, uh, <laughs> Dave Winfield hitting on Butch Weiniger's wife or something. That's why they, <laughs> Butch Weiniger came in the Yankee Stadium ready to kill Dave Winfield, which would have huh? been bad. But these are all pre internet, you know, stories that we love to tell. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's not, it's not like, you know, Wahlberg. I, I it's, not like Mark, it's not like Mark Wahlberg's people are listening or anything. Right, that's true. Well, uh, we're going to get to that in one second. But I think Cal Ripken's record is impressive. Modern day age, flights, uh, yeah. uh, games all over the place. And he still played. And he was a pretty good player. Um, uh, Lou Gehrig obviously got ALS. And so he was just, his, he couldn't, 
he couldn't do anything. He couldn't even, uh, you know, tie mm-hmm. his shoes anymore. Uh, yeah, he had a terrible. He's batting two ninety two, by the way. Just like, yeah, right. Any Giancarlo fans out there? Hey, Giancarlo, everything all right? Because you're batting one ninety. Garrick batted two ninety two. He had, he was dying. And he um, was literally withering away. Literally, yeah, <laughs> whittling away. And he's still like, you know, slap the base hit. But uh, so Ripken, I've always been impressed by. And my dad usually Ripken has a special place in uh, in our hearts. Uh, in my heart, because my dad, Luke Eric, and my dad got into it. He watched it live. And, Have you ever been to Camden? Yes. Yeah, I that's one of my favorite it. stadiums I've ever been to. Now, they they pushed the wall back. When I was there, what's his name? One of the Orioles was hitting home runs, and I was like, that left field wall is like, it's a wi- wiffle ball. What are, what are we at, uh, Boynton Park here? You kidding? I mean, Warren. <laughs> and, um, and that's now a New they Jersey put, reference, everybody. Yeah, yeah, by the way. <laughs> but they, not, huge in Frankfurt. But in the... Uh, no, they they the, the walls way back now. Now you got to hit it. I said this place yeah. is far anyway. Um, but I've been that's there. My, that's my dad's famous joke. Like it was usually when like a, a non-power hitter would come up, I'm like, ah, oh, you never know. It's just a, a bloop and a blast. This guy will be tied. He's like, this guy couldn't hit it the ball out if he hit it twice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I love that. Hit it twice. <laughs> hit it twice. By the way, if you ever have time, there's a book out there. If you're ever in uh, any kind of like uh, Barnes and Noble or even look online of old baseball stadiums, and they have the dimensions of all of them. Dude, like the Polo Grounds, Polo Grounds was 1,100 yards to one field. And uh, <laughs> the left or right field line, I should know this, but I don't. The left field line was like 130. So, <laughs> and then the, the original Yankee Stadium, I think down the line was like two. Uh, no, uh, It still is. What are you talking no, no, about? No, it was even further in. But dead center field was like there was monuments out there. People would, it's like It was like 600 yards dead. If you hit a ball dead center field at Yankee Stadium, you were out. Because the guy would just drift back. And, <laughs> anyway, it's a really funny book. Some of the like, it's, like, what? it's really funny. Anyway, uh, that's it. All right. So we got Cal Ripken and John Cerruti. God rest his soul. All right. Well, this is a huge day for Patreon. Now, many of you scoring at home know that if you're not on my Patreon, you should be, including my next guest. Um, any family members that are not on, listen, you know, that's why Christmas this year was a little light. You know what I mean? I know who really <laughs> loves me and my family including my mother, whose credit card still is not. Uh, you know, do it for her, Jimmy. Do it for I, her. I know. I got to get over there. Every time I go down there, I'm doing. You were just there for Christmas. or I know, but I forget. I forget to do all that. But I got to give a big shout out to a Louisiana Lightning LSU fan, Daryl Clark, mm-hmm. your friend and mine. Okay. Sure. He actually sent me, and I'm going to try to do this. I'm not good with props. What did he, what did he, he say? What is he that? He sent me this huge cake. It's a king cake. What the from f- New Orleans from Rendazzo's Bakery, dude. I'm on he a sent diet. You a cake said, from New Orleans? Yes, these are like these specialty cakes, especially right before uh, 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 tonight is um, uh, we got Mardi Gras and it's starting. Oh yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, what do you call it? Fat, Fat Tuesday, mm. and then Lent starts tomorrow, and then yeah, everybody shuts down. But this cake, I had a slice of it. I'm on a diet. I'll probably have one more I was just going to say, you were doing so Dude, well. <laughs> I know. But you know what? I took a little slice. You can see. It's like got a glaze on it with cinnamon. He sent it to me. I think that's wonderful. I do not know him. slices to Chop Studios. He's, uh, uh, I know. I, I'll get him to send you something down there. It's a... Uh, uh, and that's a really nice gesture, Daryl. I really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. And I'm going to give this out to my uh, father-in-law and some other people. that'll. Uh, I can't eat. If I eat this whole thing, I'll be like 300 pounds. Um, all power. right. Well, that's, that's my, I'm still stuck at 39 Patreons. Uh, so anybody listening, uh, you know, why, why don't we just get to an even 40 and we'll start the battle from there. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. 
we are approaching our three-year anniversary, which I should probably know the date of that. I don't. Crazy. Um, that's crazy to me. Yeah, that, right. means, that, means Shaf, a, that means Shaf Sports is coming up on its anniversary, right. too. So we'll, we'll, do, we'll do a special. Uh, maybe we'll have Chris on for that show, both of you. So we'll, uh, I'm sure, sure he'll be available. Other. Yeah, he'll be available. Um, <laughs> well, there was a couple of minor games this weekend, the uh, Chiefs, Niners. Oh, yeah. not, a lot, not a lot of people watch that. But, uh, <laughs> okay, here's my quick take on the Super Bowl this year. Um hmm. Uh, the only skin I had in the game was I put $50 in FanDuel and I made 10 $5 bets. I won a few of them. I lost $4 on the game. I had no skin in the game except my nephew, Jimbo, who I love dearly, was actually at the game. He's a huge Chief fan. Oh, that's bet. right. He won that big fucking bet. He won, that's right. he won both bets now. I paid for his trip and, and then some. He he got two tattoos, the first bowls. Now he's going to get a third one like a jerk off. I mock him out for that every mm. – we're in the, down at my brother's shore house in the summertime. I'm like, dude, with the ch- – I hope, hope you're old and gray and they're all shitty and Mahomes <laughs> looks like uh, – he looks like, you know, Mickey Lolich and stuff. Three people just drove off the road. <laughs> but I thought the game was boring as hell. I the first thought, half was. First half was. Even yeah. even into the third quarter. And I, t- I thought everybody was playing lousy. Like, I thought – now, again, I was sitting with five or six people, and we were watching the game intently. I was, you know, a Super Bowl. God bless. It's, a, it's an American holiday. It's a great day in, at Shea. And um, the uh, – although I wish they had the dirt infield be cooler. <laughs> I thought I, – I didn't think anybody was playing well. Even my boy Pacheco didn't oh, fumble. Oh, dude, Pacheco fumbled. fumbled. CMC fumbled. Yeah, yeah. These guys, and these guys don't fumble. Maybe and, they got the uh, yips. It's the Super Bowl, you know. Uh, like, you know what it was? If you look at the highlight, though, sometimes a guy's arm just comes flying in. Behind yeah, you just it. don't see it coming, right. Right. So, but it was like nobody was playing well. It was actually like a boring, lousy. And my biggest thing, and it's the reason why the Niners lost, and you know this from being a, a Cowboy fan, I'm a Giant fan. When you're up 10 to 3 against like, against like, God or Tom Brady or Mahomes, and it's 10 3, and then it's 10 3, and it's 10 3. If it was a boxing match, you're ahead on all three cards. Judge Ramirez from Mexico City's got it seven, <laughs> 117, 112, and all of a sudden it's not 10 3 anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is when you miss an extra point, you, you, you can't do that. You can't miss a point, and Fair also enough. you can't San Francisco put the Giants in a Super Bowl by fumbling a pun. And he fumbled the butt again, and he should have just jumped on. It. He tried to scoop it up. Another, they say that's why it's fixed. Bullshit. Well, no, 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 no. Are you talking about the fumble punt? Yeah. Well, he saw it. What he did was he no, saw you, the ball hit you, another player. But you got to jump on it. But he tried to scoop. Typically, it. yeah. But you if cannot he cannot give up yeah. possession, of course they score in the first play. Yeah, I, the whole thing. The, by the way. The Super Bowl overtime rules are getting like women's women's field hockey rules now, which is that's Dude. a very funny joke. To people that are in the know. First of all, <laughs> me and my buddy was like, "Who gets the ball? Who did? Who scored?" I'm thinking, "Don't they start?" At the, I, I was trying to fuck with the people in my room by going like, "No, everybody starts at the 25." You know, I was doing that thing like in college overtime. I was just trying to freak people out. I don't know. Oh, you get the ball twice. He gets the ball. I, I don't know. If you get a safety, you win. The NFL, whatever it is, like I, I don't believe the rules. Like have to be there's in September, like we're football fans are stupid people, myself included. We need to know over and over when you kick a field goal, it's three points, right? You can't just all of a sudden have a little article on ESPN. By the way, field goals are now four points. Like what? <laughs> That's how stupid we are. We we get used to repetition. We know it was sudden death for eight hundred years, then they tweaked it. If you kick mm-hmm. a field goal because Aaron Rodgers has to get the ball back and all that stupid rule. Anyway. It was a cool game at the end because it was a lot on the line. But I, you know what? 49er fans, man, crying your own beer. 
you were up by three in the fourth quarter and you gave up the tying score. Then you went up by three in the overtime and you let them pretty much waltz downfield. Plus, you didn't know the rule, which I didn't. That if if you know if the time had run out, they just switch sides. Did you know mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I'm like, first of all, they got to get rid of that. It's got to be like yeah. I heard Tiki Barber had a, and I hate Tiki Barber, but Tiki Barber had a better. You know, he's like that's that's unacceptable because it takes the pressure off of everybody. Like if yeah. you don't have to worry about the clock in a sport, it like stinks. boy, oh boy, that's like weird. It. Anyway, but but, listen, but, but, but Jimmy, they don't worry about any clocks in overtime in college. You have no problem with that. No, it just didn't. It, it, it was something about it I didn't like. Uh, anyway, there's no urgency. Uh, you don't have to. Yeah, you're not just, urgent. And, and the other, and, and it sounded like the Niners didn't really know it. So, hey, coaching staff, hey, Shanahan. Yeah, well, that's that's also and, and Kyle Shanahan. Listen to me. Here's what. Here's what you. Here's how the 49ers are going to win it real easy next year. I I, I already sent him a text. He he, he agrees. <laughs> I told him to watch every football game from 1958 till 1966, and all you do is you run the ball a little bit, then you pass. You run a little bit, then you pass. Then you pass a little bit, then you run. You don't do all these plays. He's, you know what? He's the, he is the, he is the poster boy. And Franklin on Penn State does this. Uh, the Cowboy coach does this. Everybody in that booth's like, oh, I know what to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I know we should just run it in here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do an X, Y, Z because we were. Hold the whole. I'm the smartest guy. In the I'm room, the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. You suck. <laughs> uh, uh, the 49er coaching staff to me blew the Super Bowl again. It was another game to me, and I was wrong. By the way, full me a culpa here at Shea. Uh, Taylor Swift, remember I said they're done. It's over. I could not have been more wrong. And I think it's eleven times. I this. Uh, and my, they, bro- my dad was counting the entire yeah. time. He's like up uh, oh, ten, and uh, <laughs> uh, so. Uh, yeah, I just found out now Taylor Swift's the greatest recording artist of all time. I'm like, well, yeah, Sinatra, Bing Crosby, Beatles, and stuff like that. Let's see. Molly Hatchet. And I can't wait to see an aging Taylor Swift back at the garden for a one-night show only in maybe the year 2048. And my daughter will be going to tickets. She'll have four kids trying to get out of the house. <laughs> anyway, I'm tired of Taylor Swift. I'm tired of Kelsey, even though he's kind of cool. Um, and his brother and another fat bastard. And the weird people that are in the booth. And no, it's messed. And my mother be the same way. The mother's the only one. That, uh, is she the only football fan in the room? She looked aggravated, so. pissed yeah. off, like my son's playing like shit. We're not playing well. So I, yeah, I, like ignorant me, like during the during the uh, the celebration, like when Taylor finally got to the to the you know to the field level and started hugging and kissing Kelsey. Like I, she's like, I was doing like the voice of her, like to my dad. I was like, oh baby, how many how many home runs did you hit today? You know, I'm just like completely <laughs> fucking clueless as to what's happening. You know what he? Um, I think whatever. she whispered to him, I was supposed to do two shows in Tokyo for uh, seventy four million dollars, but I flew back <laughs> to watch this awful shitty game. Anyway, <laughs> halftime show. You loved it. Uh, I went I'm on a nostalgic okay. guy. Like I like Usher's music. No, I'm saying Usher's music was big back in the day. Okay, listen to me. Still first is. I don't know Usher's music that well, but what I did do, I did my research. Okay, no, more than you do with the card stuff. No, you, you didn't. You didn't do research. You got well, pissed yeah. off. No. You were the angry man Home. on the porch. Here it is. Ready? Molly- Here's my research. <laughs> should have been Hatchet. It would have been great. That's why I wore the shirt. Here's here's what it should have been. They got a new album coming out, by the way. Hatchet. No shit. Anyway, um. I actually went on Apple iTunes and said, wait a minute, this guy Usher's huge. Let me find out. And it was like a bunch of songs. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. I remember that song. I remember that song. I remember that song. And then he goes on a Super Bowl and there was like ballads. It was the music was boring. And he's dancing on the field. First of all, bring the stage out, right? I don't want you. I'm watching. If it was a giant game, I'm like, I don't want you like. Dancing on the field where I'm, I, I'm getting I, the Giants are getting three and a half in the Super Bowl. Get, and the only cool thing was the roller skating 
At least Rihanna he almost tripped. Was, he almost tripped. I saw him yeah, almost tripped. Which trip. would have been that would then it would have been the greatest show of all time. <laughs> it would have been like you know ice skating here. Peggy Fleming getting involved. I just said Peggy Fleming. She won the gold medal in 1972. And um, only you know anyway, that. Anyway, only I know that Rihanna <laughs> show was better. Stephen did he just drove off the road? <laughs> yeah, Stephen did. No, but did he? Is he ever on the road listening to the show? I don't know. All right, that's our Super Bowl thing. You know why? By the time the show goes on the air, the Super Bowl's been beaten to death. Both mm. our teams suck. They lost mm. out. So, like, we are completely – we're like bad rehab patients at an alcohol <laughs> center. We're finally getting better. Things And because we got a young Giancarlo, by the way. I heard he's mm. already in Florida. Giancarlo. I thought you, I thought you were going to say he's already injured. <laughs> no, he's ready to go. Giancarlo will, will be the comeback player of the year and possible oh MVP God. candidate. All right, now quick things. My Scarlet McKnight's Rutgers beating Wisconsin, lower 11 team in the country. They've won three in a row. I've been down on Rutgers hoops all year long, no doubt about it, and they deserved it. But you know what? They got this guy, Jeremiah Williams, back. They got this other guy with a long name. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, he's a backup center as well. And all of a sudden, Rutgers is playing like old Pico last couple of years. Rutgers are playing really well, beat three teams in a row, Michigan, Maryland, and Wisconsin. And there's talk, if you look at it, there is a little bit of a path to the NCAA tournament, but they really, they really got to almost like they got eight games left. <laughs> they almost got to go. They pretty much got to go ah, seven and one, six and two. And I think they have to beat Purdue in a couple of weeks. Um, and they're number not one impossible. Team. And they do that like last year or two yeah, years ago. Now they, they produce number one team in the country. And they yeah. Anyway, um, yes. also, yes. Uh, I don't understand the Knicks. They made a trade. The Knicks got 11 players. Uh, nine <laughs> of them are hurt. Um, so last night I scored four points. I got in the game at the end there. Um, but the Nick game last night, terrible. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so Monday, Monday night's Knicks. Yeah. yeah, the Knicks Houston game. Uh, you know, brutal. You can't call that call on brother. Brutal. Just uh, it was brutal. Horrible. And then even at the end, there was issues with the clock with 0.03 left. And Thibodeau, and but you know what? Thibodeau was like, he was pretty cool at the end. He did a great move. Everybody was hoping he would bash the refs. He said they got a tough job. Some guy, and just hear Brunson. Uh, how did the refs do? Great game. Next question. Like he, I love they did that. It was so horrible. Good. Good. Now the the head of the ref said it was a shitty call, um, and it was a late call, shitty and late. Mm. Anyway, that's that. My Knicks. Um, that's all I got there. But of course, since we got a guest, I want to hurry this show along a little bit here, Jay. Yeah, um, he's waiting impatiently. I could feel that's it. All right, that's all right. Well, he'll wait because uh, he's a good guy. Uh, ChasingMiracles.com. That's right. <laughs> Chasing Miracles. They are the stem cell patches. Go to ChasingMiracles.com. Talk to Tommy and Donna. It's shit your body needs. There's no needles. You put them right. I got them on my back. I got them underneath my right at my underneath my belly button. That's where you okay. put them. Um, I didn't put them on that. <laughs> hey, Huge I was like, growth. <laughs> anyway, the uh, uh, you got to check these things out. They're great. My mother uses them on her knees. She's avoiding knee surgery. And now she's playing for the Knicks. <laughs> Right. She, she was an eighth man off the bench against the Knicks. The Knicks looked like they had three guys on the bench. They were playing like a three-on-three -three tournament on 4th, 4th Street there. In the um, over-40 league. Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, ChasingMiracles.com, energy, weight loss, appetite suppressing, better sleep, improved skin for threes. Got it. We're tied. Uh, all well worth it. Go check it out. ChasingMiracles.com. Okay, which brings us to... Sponsored by CornholeLevel.com. Now, Dave, I'll let you. Uh, yes. Uh, so. So. 
I couldn't even have a conversation with Jimmy when he first started this podcast back in 2021 without him mentioning this following movie entitled The Family. Why? Why would, why would he bring up The Family? Well, <laughs> I had dinner with De Niro, and I had dinner with Michelle uh, Pfeiffer, and I had Tommy Lee Jones really, me and my buddy. All, do you think my fans think I brought it up like that? I don't. I walked uh, in. You, uh, I walked I walked in. I was like De Niro to you because I was in true. Beerly. That's true. You walked you in. I was your like, hero. And oh, the disappointments that's, that's, continued ever that's since. That's Jimmy. That's that's, that's Jimmy. him. That's he looks heavier now. He's he the old. Older. That's that's all the hoopla. Like, <laughs> but anyway, Jimmy's credits this week features the family because again, uh, a movie that you were out in Paris that was awesome. I got to hear all the stories. And today's guest obviously was with you with this. Um, I'm more interested in his role as as Yogi Berra, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into um, that. We got a really yeah, cool so. guest. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I booked the, the auditions were in like 2012. The movie came out in 2013. Now, the movie is directed by um, Luke Besson and produced by his wife, Virginia, who's a doll. And Luke Besson, Leon the Professional, the Taken movies, all the Transporter movies, Fifth Element movies. Uh, and he's a, a writer, producer, director. He's one of those rare guys. Like, you can go to Luke Besson with an idea, and he makes the whole friggin' movie. Um, also in the movie is Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, Tommy Lee Jones, and your friend and mine, Dominic Lombardozzi. We became good friends. Also a young rookie out of Texas, no, out of uh, New Jersey, John DeLeo. I got to hang out with his mother and father. Who, he was only like 15 at the time. And the absolutely light out Kevin Durant, Diana Agron, who was like 25, calling for the ball, just casually running one-handers. <laughs> she was beautiful. She still is. If she's listening to this, uh, you're hot. What can I tell you? Um, also, Paul Borghese, hint, hint for our next guest. And also Vinny Pastore, big pussy, was there. Now, the reason why I think this – I don't care if I uh, – this story to me, the whole thing with the family is mind boggling because here's why I went on the audition. Like every other jerk off, you go in your audition, blah, blah, blah. Then I got the call back. Right. And I had like a, a, a shirt and shirt of a shirt and tie detective kind of looking crap. I go in there and every single actor, probably including Paul probably read for my part. Every actor that I read, read with all the time, including a couple of Soprano guys were all in the callback room. Okay. And I'm like, Oh man, like this was like, you know, you got to face Judge and then Aaron and then G. Like it was like, <laughs> all right, you know. So I go in the room and Luke is in the room. Now, I was somewhat familiar with Luke's work, but I didn't. Fifth Element is not one of my favorite. You know, oh, I love I knew, that movie. I know people do. <laughs> I, I, well, I'm just admitting it. I wasn't I'm a Bruce uh, Willis guy. So, yeah. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I was only familiar with uh, uh, the, the first Taken and Leon the Professional, which is a great movie. And, um, and creepy too, but cool. Uh, so I go in the room and he's sitting there and he's got this French accent and he's talking to me. And uh, so he starts asking me questions like, where are you from? What do you do? So like, I'm like, oh, I'm from New Jersey, you know? And he's like, oh, where do you live in New Jersey? Now, not thinking these guys from France, he doesn't know New Jersey. Right. He goes, where do you live? I go, ah, and I, I, what a jerk off. I said, you just get on a parkway, go to the stop sign at the end and make a left. I live right there, right? That's a Jersey thing. Like if you yeah. live in Cape May, you go, oh, you just take the parkway all the way down until it hits until it hits the end. You make a left. And like, no. Same kind of, it was that kind of thing. The silence in the room, okay, <laughs> was now the, 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 the casting director was a big time kid. And if she's listening to this show, I'll tell it to her face. She was looking at me like, she was like, oh, what was he doing? He's not answering the question. So I was also in another movie that came out that had a unique thing. It was a, like a romantic comedy from, from the male point of view 
and the female point of view, but they were two separate movies. And the first movie from the female point of view come out on Friday. And then on Saturday, they released the guy's point of view. Really cool idea. That is a cool work. concept. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. So I thought, I thought I was being, I thought I was being Mr. Actor. Like, well, I just worked at a project where Luke ripped me apart. No, that's been done. It's been done in France. It turns out it was done in France like 30 times. Like mm. I looked like a jerk. Well, so then I read, I read the thing and I made a joke about like <laughs> tomato. I said, I got to get back and water my tomatoes. It was like July or August, something like that. So anyway, I forget about it. Leave it, leave it, leave it be. I'm walking around the city, right? I'm on 23rd street. I get a phone call from my agent. He's like, Jimmy, it looks like you might've booked, you booked the day on that thing. The family. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, all right, you know, day $2,500. Maybe that's cool. But it's, yeah, booking base at the center, you know, make the throw, make the turn. So I'm all excited. All of a sudden my manager calls me. He's like, Jimmy, it looks like you booked a couple days on the movie. I'm like, ah, five grand now in my head. I'm walking around. <laughs> One of those hot, humid days, but clouds coming in, the days where you're worried about your softball game getting rained out, you know, those kind mm. of things. So then my agent calls me up. He's like, Jimmy, you have a passport? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, something going on. with I got to find out what's going on. I'm like, passport? <laughs> where, where am I going, you know? And next thing you know, my manager's like, calls me. So it's back and forth. I'm like, hey, don't you guys talk? Why are you? Call me up when you have all the information. It's almost like the offensive coordinator is saying, do it down and out. The defense is going to do it down and in. Like, hey, what's the play? I just got to run a play. So all of a sudden, it starts to rain like that summer rain, right? So I duck into a really cool bar, and I'll make you go to this bar. Two bars you got to go to. The first one is Jimmy's Corner on 44th. I'm dying to you to get to that place. And the other one is Trailer Park Lounge. You ever been in there? On Twenty Third Street, mm -mm. it's all memorabilia, white trash shit, it, dude. It's the coolest <laughs> bar. You, you'll totally, you'll be like, Jimmy was right. I duck in there. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. There's no one in there, so mm -hmm. I go in there, and and this huge sign like six dollar tater tots. Of course, um, <laughs> I think tater tots are like cocaine of the eighties. So I just completely <laughs> loaded up on. So the calls come. Next thing you know, it goes from one day's work to like Jimmy, you're going to France for six weeks. <laughs> like man. Like, and then he goes, and De Niro's, it, it, you, you're working with De Niro and Michelle Pfeiffer and Tommy Lee Jones. I'm like, oh my God. That's like someone saying, no big deal. It's going to be Tony Dorsett, Tom Brady, and <laughs> CeeDee Lamb. You know, I can't believe I'm putting him in that bracket. But you yeah, know, I'm like, I'm like, what? Yeah, just, that's an awful joke. So I'm like, oh my God. So, but the coolest thing was I'm at the phone. Now the lady, a little bit of a hot bartender. She's probably like, I don't know, 50, still in the league, but, you know, back up, you know, play the USFL and stuff like that. She goes, she says to me, she goes, well, what, what's go? What, who are you talking to? I'm like, I said, I, I just booked, I just booked a, a major movie here. This is nuts. She goes, really? Oh my God. That's so, I mean, De Niro, I'm telling her like, but I'm up doing it to flirt with her. I'm just like, I just ran up. So then I swear I could almost tear up doing this. I call up home. My father answers the phone. Jimmy, what are you doing? He was always aggravated about something. <laughs> I was like, dad, I just. I just booked a movie with Robert De Niro. Oh, no shit. You got to be kidding me. Well, I got to go to France. You got to go. Already, he's like, what airline you taking? <laughs> like, he's like, oh, yeah, France is a good airline. I'm like, dad, what do you want? What, dad, De Niro. Awesome. He didn't know who Tommy Lee Jones was. Remember the guy? And he goes, oh, yeah, he's good, that guy. And uh, <laughs> you know, and Michelle Pfeiffer, he knew, of course. So then my mother got on the line. My mother's like, Oh my God! Screaming, Artie, don't you even react? My mother's yelling at my father. I don't know. I laid. I thought a movie in France. I was wondering. so they're yelling and screaming at each other, and I'm like, holy shit! So next thing you know, uh, I I was like, oh my God, I'm going, I'm going to France. So my buddy Anthony, who produced Beerly, calls me up and says, Jimmy, you booked that movie. My buddy Dom, 
is is in it as well. Dominic Lombardozzi. I think you two were playing together with the two cops. So next thing you know, we talk on the phone. We we meet at the airport. Now I'm all Dominic's a little more. He's way up the food chain than I am. Uh, and I'm just more. I'm more like I was like the kid, happy to be there. I'll be the backup. I'll be the holder. What do you want me to do? I don't care. Clipboard. There was, a, there was always a little part of it. I was like, but you know, you give me, you give me like two or three series. I'll bring them downfield. I always had that in me. Like I think I stink, but you know, I I, I can hit a sixty-five yarder and grab the tee. So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we we start drinking at the. I knew you laughing at that. With, with, <laughs> Nobody gets that. You know, uh, what I realized my material is for zero people. The uh, um, one, me. <laughs> so we're in. Uh, we go to Kennedy Airport. We're in that like crazy lounge that no one gets to go in. You know those those ones. No, that, yeah, yeah. United one, Club or something. Yeah, yeah, but not the one. There's two. There's always like a back room. We were in this room. I was having lobster and shrimp, and we started drinking Johnny Walker Black. And two of us. Mm-hmm. And between here in France, I had about eight of them, and so did Dominic. We were trashed. We totally like fell asleep drunkenly. Um, and we get there, I see the, 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 the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, oh, I'm in France. What am I doing in France? you got to be kidding me. We end up going all the way to Luc Besson's estate, which is a 13th century, like, castle estate with, like, I don't know, 10, 13 bedrooms and all this stuff. And it was actually the Nazi headquarters in World War II. It was the closest from Normandy. As a matter of fact, mm. they were the first one to skedaddle. Once they found out, like, word got through, they've landed. All right. <laughs> Pack it up. Let's go. <laughs> Those guys were high on motorcycles getting out of there. And uh, so there was a big courtyard. And I'm sitting there and I meet Luke again. Hey, Jimmy is shaking my hand. It was so good to have you and his wife. They were so pleasant. And uh, next thing you know, I see this like kind of old guy coming up. I'm like, ah, all right, that's Robert De Niro. And I, I kind of acted like, like if I had a cigarette in my hand, I was like, hey, hey, Bob, how you doing? Like I was like, Bob. it was like, it was like the guy coming to clean the carpet. You're gonna clean the carpets in that room. Do my room. It was like very relaxed. Mm. Next thing you know, this kind of brutish guy comes walking up, and I'm like, okay, Tommy Lee Jones strolling up to the guy, and he's meeting. Luke Bassan for the first time, and they're shaking hands. Meanwhile, I'm like, and he goes, and Luke's like, and this is Luke doesn't play that fa- uh, Hollywood game. Mm. He was like, Tommy, I wonder if you should Jimmy Palumbo. And, and you could tell Tommy was like, eh, I don't know who the fuck that is, but I'll shake his hand. <laughs> and then Dominic Lombardozzi. And then all of a sudden, very casually strolling up to the area is Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't care about De Niro. Catwoman herself. Yeah, here we go. Catwoman. You know, I'm like, oh my God. And uh, Scarface getting involved. Mm. Talk about a triple double. So mm. the uh, uh, we start talking to her and everybody's being polite. Then we go, we all go, our rooms were like these old, uh, I can't even, there was no showers, one of those tub things where you had to like, you had to wash yourself with the little hose. I, I got water over everything the first day I showered there. <laughs> So then Luke says, we're having dinner later on. I thought we were going to a restaurant. I didn't know. We were in the middle of nowhere. We have dinner in this room. And I had dinner in this room every night for six weeks. Maybe seven tables that sit six. And it was a one main table in the front. And Luke said, sit anywhere you want, except check for the main table. That's for me and my family. Okay. But he goes, no, but my kids aren't eating tonight. So um, why don't you, you and Dom sit with us? Now we're at the main table, right? And all the jerk off actors and crew guys are looking up like, who's that asshole getting on the main table, including sitting in a shittier seat is a young Bobby De Niro. <laughs> Michelle Piper. And I'm up there. And of course I knew Jimmy act like ah, I've been in the end zone before. Just hand the ball to the ref, man. You know what I mean? Inside, <laughs> no, I'm going, no excessive celebrations. Just, yeah, just, just get I'm there. sitting there and I'm like, 
So I didn't know, like, sometimes I know a little bit about showbiz, but sometimes when you go up against people that really know ins and outs of showbiz, you sound like such a, you're almost like, oh, my favorite movie is uh, Golden Pond. Like, you don't know, it's like, you don't know what you're saying. You're a jerk off, you know what I mean? So I decided to not talk about showbiz. Luke starts asking me about Jersey tomatoes. And I'm in, I'm like, he was like, oh, you, you've got to send them to me. He was like, he was so excited to send tomatoes. Everybody's looking at me like, why he's got this guy talking about tomatoes. So after that, we were, everybody was looking at us and me and Dom the next night had to go to the shittier tables, you know, which were only like five feet <laughs> Back away. to where you belong, Jimmy. <laughs> $10 bottles of wine that were probably $100 bottles of wine from Luke's private stock. And we were getting, uh, uh, we were getting per diems of like $200 a day. So it was like the, the meal cost is like $30. I had 11 glasses of wine and I ate, you know what I mean? So, but every night when you walked in, this is so funny to me. You walked in and you sat at a table. But if De Niro walked in and he saw you, he'd just sit down next to you. Like what you do, like a lunch hall. Like, hey, how you doing, Jimmy? Dom, how's it going? So our table became like, like that the, the, the main jerk off table. Like everybody wanted to sit at our table. Got to the point where I looked up one night and no one was sitting on Luke's table. They were all like me and Dom. So one night it was like me, Dom, De Niro, and Tommy Lee Jones. And then I got to know Tom. Tommy Lee Jones is the, like the uncle uh, the, uh, during Thanksgiving dinner that you got to watch. He was out of his mind, but he was funny, not polite, and sometimes very – he was a tough guy to read. And he was a little rough on me, but I kind of – I was like, you know what? He's shitting on me, but I don't care. Like, I, he's not shitting <laughs> on anybody else. I right. went with the theory, like, he likes you because he's shitting on you. Sure. But the craziest thing was – I look outside and it's a farm really where this place was. And there was this big thing where they put the grass in a big roll on a farm. And Tom, uh, Tommy Lee Jones said he owned a, a farm in, in, in Dallas, outside of Dallas. And I said, uh, I say, hey, I say, Tommy, what are those things? I asked him what they were. He goes, Oh, that's you roll them out. You feed your cattle with that horses, blah, blah, blah. Another guy at the table asked, well, how much is it for a big roll like that? Now, in my mind, I asked what it was. I didn't care how much they cost. A little dog, there was dogs running around in this place. A little dog came up. What are you doing? A dog goes, hey, buddy, what's going on? Tommy Lee Jones was still looking at me, and I started to play with the dog. And Tommy Lee Jones goes, typical. Goddamn Yankee doesn't ask a question, doesn't stick around for the answer. Table got quiet. And I looked at him. I couldn't. And I'm not a tough guy. You know that. I was like. Did you just call me a Yankee? <laughs> what is it? What is it? 1863 here? <laughs> like Yankee dude. And I totally like disarmed him by going like, hey. And then I just the only thing I could say, I go, oh, that's right. You're from you're from you're from Dallas. Uh, I forgot. I said, you know, my mother lived in Dallas for two years when she was younger, which is true. And I go, she always says, never trust a Texan. And the table got all silent. He goes, All right, all right. But after that, he loved me. Like I was his mm. boy. We were like totally going to having a good time. Uh and it was just so much fun. And he would order real expensive wine and nobody would touch it until like the fifth dinner. He's like, hey, guys, when I order wine, you share it. I don't care. I'll just get another one. I don't give a shit. You know what mm. I mean, so, of course, I didn't drink the $10 wine for the rest of the trip. Mm. Uh, it was just so then we get on the set. Right now, Luke said to me and Dom, listen, I'm a real nice guy. But once we get on the set, I don't want to hear about makeup, wardrobe. You stay near Video Village, you stay near where I'm at. De Niro was in a chair with a thing reading the New York Times. He was six feet away from where Luke was. I said, Dom, uh, 
I'm going to stand just off. I'm going to be four feet away from lupus on the whole time. I'm, so mm. the first day we were so nervous. Nope. They didn't have chairs for us because we were not stars and they had this coffee machine. I thought it was coffee. It was uh, espresso. I had like nine of them. Finally, Dom started to get in twitches. I'm like, hey, I'm a little too amped up. I don't feel right. I was like, the lady, goes, heart attack. Some lady comes over and says, guys, we were, I was wondering, you were drinking too much of that. We were drinking it like it was Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I was like high as a kite, wired up. And we started doing the scenes. We were able to get through it. And uh, it was just uh, like a wild experience. Uh, complete. Um, uh, I can't even tell you, like at lunch, they serve wine. I'm like, this would never go with Vinny from Queens on a set of Law and Order. Like, yeah, have some wine. <laughs> you guys would be trash. But the weird thing was, he called he called me and Dom his pussy cops, and pussy in French means like, like a wussy. Not not there's no uh, sexual connotation really. That's and what it means like, here too, Jimmy. <laughs> well, no, you know what I mean. It means like more like you being a wuss. Not uh, anyway, it's a different connotation. All right, he, fine. He would say. Uh, where are my pussy cops? And we come running over to do the scene, blah, blah, blah. So what happened was me and Dom wanted to get him a gift at the end of the shoot. And uh, so we went to the headquarters of Mont Blanc pens. We were in, cause we shot some scenes in Paris as well. And we went into this pen store and the lady came out. She was elegant. She very casually showed us a $3,000 pen. And I was like, ah, you know, uh, that's beautiful, but uh, not, not for this occasion, you know, that, you know, but, but, you know and, so they, she brings out a $600 pen. I figure we'll split it three and three. It's not that bad. And a nice gift to the director who could be changing my career path, right? Mm. And then we had to tell her, well, she goes, what do you want printed on it? And I was like, oh, here comes the uppercut. I'm like, pussy cops. <laughs> her face, the disappointment. Oh, let me see if I, I don't know if this pen can take that. You went back, I had to check with the engraver in the back mm. room. She goes back. She was like, he said he'll do it. Like, it was shitty. We, it was an awful transaction. We gave him this pen. You would have thought we gave him, like, the greatest gift of all time. He's like, oh. And then, of course, he says to me, we're going to make the movie, Pussy Cops. Well, I'm going to make a movie with you two called Pussy Cops. And he goes, I'll get the paperwork signed. And I'm, I'm looking at him like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Whatever, Luke. <laughs> Just shoot the rest. The only crazy day, two crazy days on the set. I had a, a tough scene with Michelle Pfeiffer where I had to tell her to relax Go out, you know, we're gonna get through this. I misread the scene and I I, I thought I was doing good acting. Elsa Luke says, Jimmy, no, no, what are you doing? No, no. Now I got Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm, I'm in front of her, her knees are out in front of me. I got Dominic behind her, and he's an awesome actor. And Luke Fasan is screaming, No, no, Jimmy, you're not you're not doing it right. I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> Luke Fasan just said, you know, what? send me and, back to America. And I I I, I, I yeah, I had no timeouts left. I'm like, here we go. So I'm looking over. He got, and then he said to me, Jimmy, you know, you're, you're, you're not a good cop. You, 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 this is a bad uh, detail for you. And you know, you're going to die. You know, these mob guys are coming and you know, you're going to die. And I'm like, so I, of course I was like, all right, you know, easy, easy coach. You know, you want to go down and out? We'll do it down and in. I got this inside. I was ready to throw. I almost threw up on the set and I, I did the scene and we did about another 15 times. And, I asked Dominic on the way out. I'm like, Dom, Dom, how did that go? He's like, wow, the first, first couple takes, I didn't know what you were doing. But he goes, after that, good work, man. You really laced it. So when I watched the movie the first time, all I cared about was, in that scene, how much does the camera stay on me? And you know what? 
It was as if my mother was in the editing room. My private moment. I am. They don't even like you. Don't even know Michelle Pfeiffer's in the scene for Christ's sake. So oh, I was wow. really happy about that. The other thing is, I get killed in the movie. So he was calling us pussy cops because the first day they wired us up with these little firecrackers that shoot blood out all in these linings of a jacket, and he had he had to carry real guns, and he had him. He made us wiggle when we we're getting shot and all that stuff. So. These French guys are wiring me up. And, dude, you start looking at how big these firecrackers are, and you're like, hey, uh, how, is that, how does this work? You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it's on my chest. You know what I mean? And they're like, who's they weren't speaking English. Mm. Right before the first take, I said, hey, anything I need to know? And all he said was, don't look down. Action. <laughs> I was like, don't look down. <laughs> Next thing you know, bah, 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 bah. I'm getting like all over the place. I'm feeling it on the chest. He's getting, getting lit up. I'm getting, and then Dominic's in front of me. I see shit flying out of his chest. He falls down and they had to get it right there. Like six cameras on it. I, one of the things went off right on my elbow and that sensitive part of the elbow. But I said, Jimmy, don't you dare. Pete Rose, you don't rub. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm thinking to myself, even if I can't use my elbow for the rest of my life, no one here in France will know that. I look up, Dominic's like, got blood on his wrist one of the things went off on his wrist and dominic wasn't playing that game he was like hey what the fuck you know <laughs> these two french guys and also well, perfect take luke loved it oh you guys are, my actor's okay and i'm like yeah we're all good meanwhile I'm like oh i need like the ben gay getting involved so with that we thought we were done with the scene but in the next couple of days literally every day i had to go to the set i had to lay on a cold floor okay with the fake blood all over my face clearly i'm dead and there's a guy named Anthony, uh, I wrote his name down, yeah. Anthony Anthony Dizio. He's 300 pounds. He has to spin De Niro around, a fake De Niro. They got a stunt guy to do it. Walking over our bodies while he's trying to like, like fight and, and all this different stuff. So if he misstepped, now Dominic's in front of me. And after the first take, Dominic's like, hey, Jimmy, uh, yeah, that's a big boy there. And he's got 300 pounds and he's holding a guy's about 150. That's 450 pounds. He goes, you know, if he steps on one of us, we're in big trouble. Just, every take, Dominic, one take by my ear, I felt like the dust of his shoe come up and hit me in the ears. We For three days we did this. And I was like, finally I said, uh, the poor guy was sweating. He had to carry this actor above his head. So I finally we told him, hey, dude, whatever you do, don't step on us. He's like, fuck you guys. I don't have the resume, you guys. I got to do this. I'm, I'm sweating my ass off. It was so much fun to do. And then, of course, when we went to the theater, when it came out, I didn't tell anybody I got killed. So I invited all my friends and family up here to Paramus to go see the movie theater on a Friday night, the 8 o'clock show. And it must have been like 40 or 50 people from Ramsey up here. Blah, blah, blah. A couple of family members came up and I sat way in the back. I just wanted to see audience reaction. I didn't tell anybody I died. So I'm in the theater and all of a sudden I get blown off the screen. Right. And you hear the audience go like, oh, no, Jimmy's dead. <laughs> oh, right. And I'm thinking to myself, what if you were just some asshole went to the theater on a Friday night with Jimmy? Yeah, right. And some B character gets shot, and all of a sudden the audience is visibly shaken. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, who the fuck cares about that guy? It's nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there I am doing that. It was just an awesome time. Then, of course, the movie came out, and the beer league got better reviews. The movie didn't do good at the box office. Luke got into some other crap trouble. And next thing you know, I'm doing a podcast. Well, so, let's 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 hear it from somebody else's point of view. How about that? Well, how, about, how about we do that? And that, of course, is brought to you by Absolute Eyewear. Don't forget, where's my uh, do a quick shout-out to Absolute Eyewear. 
Um, down by the train station, 42 Main Street, Woodbridge, New Jersey, 732-326-3937. Craig and Johnine. They got everything over there. Charles Oakley hangs out. Go get your glasses there. <laughs> it's a great time. Love making Dave giggle with another Charles Oakley. Stupid. Joke. Like, I, why, why even why even react at this point, Dave? Why? What the fuck? You, you, you said it for 152 you, fucking times now, and I'm just like. You can't help it. Any Joe Charles you Oakley, you, you smile. You giggle. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I have a special guest here, Jay. Now, this gentleman, I met. Um, I forget. That was I met him uh, at auditions. And he's a director, actor, producer. He was in uh, the family, played the mob, part of the mob guys. He also directed me in a movie back in the day. And we've known each other since back in the day. And um, he also was in uh, the movie 61, which I auditioned for. And I'm pissed I didn't get it. Only because there was like Moose Scourin, who Dominic Lombardozzi got that. All the shitty Yankees, my father, not shitty, all the Hall of Fame uh uh, Yankees that my dad grew up were on the sheet. All these guys, I'm like, I want to play Moose Scourin. I want to play Yogi. Whatever. I'm not the right. I don't look like Yogi, but I was like, I want to play one of these guys. And the movie came out, and there's my boy Paul Borghese. Can you flip the switch here and get him on? Paul there Borghese, welcome to the Jimmy Palumbo Show. I'm overdosing on Shilajit over here, waiting for you guys to get to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had to wait. You had to wait 45 minutes. I owe you a summer home now. <laughs> what was that? I'm fresh. Don't worry. All right. That's good. That's good to hear. Um, uh, you know, if you, <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, a couple of things. You were very kind to me on the set of Back in the Day because you went up to me, and I knew you a little bit, but you were like, Jimmy, uh, you're doing really well. Like, I really like your work. And not too many directors come up to me. He's like, yeah, Jimmy's doing his thing. You know, you were very kind, and I appreciated that. Well, it's nice to hear. They often, uh, a lot of actors tell me that I'm an actor's director. Maybe it's because I'm an actor, too. And I know right. it's like on that side of the camera, so I always take a lot of pride in trying to make, you know, the actors the chance really comfortable. Oh, it was great. It was great to hear. And you were actually great to work with. You were very, uh, uh, you had a style on set, easy uh, going. If you didn't like something, you just told, hey, do that. And everybody did it. It was really fun. And I know, first of all, I looked up your your uh, your stats. I can't believe how much, you have so many things on your. I am DB? Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize, I knew you acted a lot. I didn't realize how much you directed and produced it. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Uh, even like almost like 20 years ago, you did a lot of stuff. I didn't realize. Uh, uh, I mean, I was like blown away. But the, my, my favorite, one of my favorite ones by you is you uh, directed the Playgirl magazine presents the hottest hunks of South Florida competition. Uh, of all the things to bring up, you got to bring that one up. <laughs> well, listen, you're. Uh, you've been in the family. You were in uh, Black Caesar. You were in Sarah Q. You were in the Irishman. Yeah. Um, Obviously, back in the day, you directed uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Brooklyn, which you like wrote, produced, directed. You were in Julia and Julia uh, and so many other movies. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's a badass. Um, Summer of Sam, which was another cool movie. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to ask you about was 61. All right. So, Paul, I really uh, tell me about 61. We're both Yankee fans. We both love the movie. and You were great in it, too. What I, I got to hear your experience on that. Oh, thanks, Jimmy. I mean, that was like really the, the greatest experience in my career, besides working with you on the family <laughs> in France for over a month. Uh, although we didn't get awesome. that many days together. No, nah, the days were 
yeah. uh, I think one one or two days. That's really all we have. You guys were kind of we overlapped. You guys were kind of finishing, and we were just kicking in the the mob yeah. guys from New York came in. But uh, sixty one. I mean, you know, Billy Crystal directed it, and he's like a baseball encyclopedia and the greatest guy in the world. So that you know. It, it, that was great to be able to work with Billy. And, um, yeah, I had, it's like, just like you were saying before about, you know, you, you go in for a part and, you know, you, you forget about it. And then so a bunch of time went by and then I got a call. For, I was in L.A. at the time. I got a call from my agent and said, hey, you know, you got that, that movie that I don't think the agent at the time knew really who enough about Yogi Berry. Right. You got that part, you know, that baseball player. Said, what are you talking about? You remember that movie you auditioned for, you know, uh, for, uh, you know, Molly Finn? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's that's 61. That's H- That's you know, um, the HBO a, movie. Yogi Berra. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, you got that part. You got. I would have fired. I would have fired her right on the spot. You don't know who Yogi. <laughs> you don't know who Yogi Berra is. I, she's a Russian spy. That's how I look at that. <laughs> you know, Jimmy's one of those agents you weren't signed with. They had your pictures in the files and she got uh, Anne Wright. Uh, Anne Wright. Thank you, Anne Wright. Uh, yeah. yeah. She almost. They almost signed. I almost signed with yeah. them, and she said no. I got rejected by Anne Wright for free. No good. <laughs> Um, you got me to part. Now, did you did you do any? Uh, obviously, you know who Yogi Berra is, but any prep? Did you listen oh, to yeah. watch old videos? Trying to get it? Did you do any voice inflections? A lot. And, a lot. Wow, like I mean, cool. I, I played baseball. You know, when I was younger than softball. Not as not as religiously no. too. No, softball, no there's but, not too many are. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, well, I had to meet Yogi Berra. HBO set it up for me to go meet Yogi Berra at the Yogi Berra Museum. So. I got to spend time with Yogi. you. You, you, uh, you, everything about your career is better than mine, just from that right there. <laughs> <laughs> and not only did I have to audition for Billy Crystal, which was a lot of fun because we not only did you know what was scripted, but he did a lot of improv with me. So fortunately, I did my research, so I had a lot of like Yogiisms down and, and knew where he was from and his background. So right. I, I felt like my improv stuff with Billy was really good. Then I had to go to Central Park with Billy to play baseball with Billy. You know, oh, I played yeah. on the, played softball on those fields. Because yeah, I'm a righty, you know, like Yogi was like, you know, Yogi. I, well, I, I'm a righty. I, pl- I play righty. I hit righty. Yogi uh, played righty, but hit lefty. Right. Now I had never hit lefty in my yeah, life. How did you do that? Are they uh, reversed? Well, I, the- I, I, I first I lied, and I, and I said, "Oh yeah, sure, I can, I can switch it. Yeah, no problem." Oh shit! <laughs> Thank God he only had a catch with me in 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 the in the park. So then after that, Yogi actually helped me. So I went to Yogi. I says, Yogi, you got to help me with this. I go, I, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You, got Yogi, you got Yogi Berra helping you. Here I am talking about Luke Besson, and you're getting helped by Yogi Berra? I would have shit myself. <laughs> you know, he was his museum is on uh, in Montclair. Oh, it's there, awesome. There, there, awesome. The, the, the baseball field. Yep. We go down on the field, and I'm like, yo, I, I got to, you know, I go, I'm going to, if I look good, it's going to make you look better. I, he goes, oh, no, 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 we got to get you out there. Look. So he really helped me to learn how to switch hit, which was very hard for me. I had a lot of trouble because I broke my left wrist twice playing football. So it was a hard thing to do. But I got it. I got pretty good at it, you know. But the sad thing is, if you watch the movie, no one realizes this. You watch the movie. They also sent us to baseball training camp in uh, Encino, California. Me, Barry Pepper, who played Roger Maris. I hate myself. Thomas Shane, who played Mel. Uh, Dominic, who, you know, played Moose Gowan. And and, and, um, Chris Bauer. And uh, and, t- and t- um, Anthony Michael Hall, who right. played Whitey Ford, we all together. I'm hanging out with these guys, so you know, great. at baseball training camp. Um, Reggie Smith, uh, the baseball player, was training us. So I trained as a catcher the whole time, you know, because Yogi right. was a catcher. And then we uh, we came back, and uh, the, the funny things we get on the, you know, the first. So Billy always said, when you're not, 
we're not doing scenes. And I want you guys playing ball. I want you guys playing pepper. I want you guys, you know, doing what a team would do. Right. But the first time we're actually going to play ball and shoot, uh, Billy comes up. He says, hey, I got good news for you. And I, I got some bad news. I go, well, what's the good news and the bad news? Well, it's kind of like kind of like both bad news. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Because I know you've been training as a catcher. You've been doing all this stuff. He goes, but we did a little more research. And in 1961, he played left field. Yogi went out to left field, and Elson Howard took first over. First of all, first of all, how could not be, you know what? Yeah, he's supposed to be an authority on Yankees. Jimmy, Flo I would have strolled on that set and said, "Hey, Crystal, I'm going to go play left field. Thank you very much." So it's a night game, but it's a night game that we're playing scenes in with, with all the lights. I didn't swag, you know. One flag, one fly ball, the whole baseball training camp, nothing. So I like caught a baseball, you know, in the outfield in years. So I run out to the, he's like, oh, well, I go, what's the other bad news, Billy? He goes, and he goes from behind his back. He goes, this is going to be your glove. And it, it looks like, it looks like a mitten you'd wear, you know, when you're covering your stuff. <laughs> so I run great. out, they, uh, you know, out into the outfield and there's hundreds of extras in the stands and everything. And I'm wearing number eight. So that thinking I'm like, you know, Yogi Berra, you know. You know, it's like they're all non-union extras. They're so excited. They think who this guy is. He's Joe playing Yogi. And then the first one comes out. And it, you know, I can't even see in the lights. And I'm come running in, and the ball's over my head. And I'm like, uh, and they're all going Yogi. And I'm like, I'm an actor. I'm not really Yogi Berra. You know? uh, see, you see, Paul. That's you know what? I, I know right away. I didn't read for Yogi Berra because I would have casually drifted back, caught it, and tossed it in. Like, <laughs> well, I, I didn't. I would have shit myself. Of course, the the gloves were like ski gloves almost. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, that was it. It was like this little, little mitt. But then, and then by the, uh, the the thing is, people don't realize until you see the movie or if you think about it, is like we did so, we worked out so hard and did so much practice and training. And if you watch the movie, in the whole movie, um, the only Yankees that ever get up to bat are Mantle and Maris. Now, I know the movie's about Mantle and Maris. Right, right. So I remember this one part of the movie when I went to the premiere where they're like, and you hear the voice of, uh, what's his name? You know his name. Was Your like, attention, Boy. please. Now, yes, batting. Yeah. Yes, batting. Uh, I think I was fifth. Should have done going, his voice too. I should there you have go. Like right after uh, Roger in the lineup, you know. Right. And he uh, 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 batting, you know, fifth next, you know, number eight, Yogi Berra. And I'm like at the at the you know the premiere, going, yeah, you know, here I'm coming, I'm gonna come up to bat, and then all of a sudden it like skips innings <laughs> to like an, it's just it's all about what was in Roger's head. They were just get a close-up of Roger thinking, you know, because we've right. got Roger, Roger. So twice they were like, number eight, Yogi Berra. And I'm like, oh. I would, have, I would have stormed out of that premiere. <laughs> <laughs> so none of us ever were at bat. None of the other Yankees except Mantle and Maris. You now, know, that's so funny. Now let me ask you this. I, I, I don't need to know the showbiz question, uh, and you'll understand when I ask it. I don't want to know the amounts. It's not what I'm talking Like, I, wor I work six weeks on The Family, but yeah. you had to do all this prep work. Did you get paid as an actor yeah. or was that a separate contract? In other words, what you must've got three months pay. Yeah, right? no, I was worked on that for like a whole summer because it was like, you know, first it was like, they flew me out first class American airlines sure, to uh, sure. LA for just for the table read, uh, you know? And then really? while I was there, they did some other photo shoot thing where they did a, there was Yogi was like the, the face of um, YooHoo. Right, you know, right, so they right. did a T-shirt that was exactly like the Yogi shirt, but with my picture on it, like Yogi. <laughs> right. Uh, you still have that? that right. Do you have that? I do. I have a few. Yogi used to, um, what happened was he would have the guys wear them under the uniforms. And then in the locker room, after the game, the press would come in and he would get the Yankees to say, take take your shirts off because I get right. bonuses when they see yep. the, the Yogi shirt. By the shirt. way, a friend of mine's dad owned you who 
totally involved. I talk really? all the time. Yeah, yeah, that crazy. <laughs> I love you, who? Uh, me too. <laughs> Sad things though. My biggest scene in the movie was just with me and Michael Nori, who played Joe DiMaggio. He comes in the locker room and he's like, he's going looking for Mickey. Mickey's in the training room. He got hurt. He's like, hey, yo, how you doing? You know, how's, how's your family? How's Carm? You know, Yogi's wife and him. Right. I, I, he goes, look at you. You're like a walking billboard. You know, Joe D's telling me because of the shirt. Right. And I had this whole conversation with Joe DiMaggio about stuff. Uh, and then he goes into the locker room. So when I'm doing looping, you know, you, you know, yeah. you know, of course, with looping is we're in there before we do the movie. And they're having us do lines over and over. And they keep fast forwarding through it. Right. I'm like, Billy. You fast forward back and forth through the movie a lot during the session, but like I didn't see the scene with me. Whoop. Sorry, I'm doing that. It's like the thing flips in when you get a call cool, right. um, on the phone. So he's like, ah, yeah, you know, we had to cut that scene. I'm like, oh. Billy, that was my biggest scene in the movie. He goes, Paul, the hour, the movie's two hours and 20 minutes. He goes, it was up to three hours. We had to cut more of it. I go, it was oh. three hours. I said you should have put it in movie theaters. He goes, we. I tried, you know. Right. So right. You lost the big, my biggest scene. I lost, but you know, whatever. I, I'm That's grateful. Cool. I was happy. It was now, the greatest I, experience. Yeah. I know. I, I, I love it. I, I love the movie. Uh, you know. Uh, now I know you. Um, my dad for years used to say, you know, everybody, little Yogi, he's a little cute guy with the funny phrases, but Yogi was one of the best players in the game for a long time, and oh, yeah. he's, he's. He, I've been hearing that since the '70s. Okay. Cut to, I know you saw the documentary they did this year. Oh, yeah, but uh, so they did about five times now. And the only reason why they, the granddaughter did the documentary is she's like, you know what? Everybody knows who my father is, but everybody's talking about Yogi and Yoo-Hoo and, and the Yogi-isms. And I, I, and I want to show that my, my father was actually a, an awesome baseball player. Oh, and yeah. every now and then on Instagram, they do one of those, Dave, you ever seen those things when they mm -hmm. do like stats of a certain player? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like Piazza, who like Thurman Thurman Munson played like there was nothing. Yogi has like stats that are he struck Incredible. out only twelve times one year. He, forget about winning. He always he's the most rings. Uh, yeah. But like he was, I think a three time MVP. He led the league in this and that and this and that. Yogi Berra was really a top three or four players in the league, and he never quite got the recognition for that because he became the manager and this little kind of funny looking Yoda guy. And everybody, the, the newer generation. So I love the fact that the granddaughter did that. I tried to get her on the podcast. She did respond back and forth, mm -hmm. but then she disappears. If you know the yeah. granddaughter, I want to get yeah, her Yeah, Lindsay. No, I'm very, very friendly with Lindsay Berra and uh, the whole Yogi's whole family, really, all Yogi's sons. I, I right. built a relationship with them. And I used to see Yogi often after we did the movie because he had the museum. Oh, so I, he'd invite me for fundraising so cool, things. I, 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 I'm fanboying out right now, right. and I actually like. I, listen, I uh, I'm a multitasker, and I actually just hit hit up my father-in-law Doug, and I said, "Listen, man, I'm on right now with the guy <laughs> who played Yogi Berra." And I said, "I said, I, he, I was like, this is so cool." And he goes, "One thing." He goes, "Tell him Jackie was out at home." Uh, <laughs> like, oh all, yeah, <laughs> that's all he said. Well, he I was, was like, he was in. he was adamant he was about out. that. You know, yeah, he, he was out. Now, there's clips. Somebody put together something on Instagram. I saw. Must have been like forty interviews with Barra. Just, just him going. He didn't. He didn't even hesitate. Well, he was out. He was yeah. out. <laughs> he, like, he, he was out. He was out. You know. I mean, the I documentary was powerful as well, especially with his kids and Dale Barra got in trouble. Oh yeah, the documentary was, was uh, great. Right. I mean, uh, it really showed people. I mean, he got. You know, uh, the fans got so caught up, in, and the newspapers played up so much the side of Yogi with the Yogiisms, and the right. he was like a caricature. 
They weren't really paying as much attention to that what no, a good ball gonna, player he was. Dave, really, uh, Dave, you get a chance. Look up, look up Yogi's stats. They're like, hey, like you, you put, put it this way: you cannot talk about the best catchers of all time without, yeah. without Yogi being in. And you want to talk about this uh, small? Uh, what do you call it? Softball era and all that shit. Whatever you, I don't care what era it was. As a catcher in the game, and you got your piazzas and benches and everything, and I, they're great too. But I don't know, man. Like if you look at. Plus, they won a lot, and then, and then he, he was a great hitter way, too. Then he goes, he goes out and plays left field, and there, he was a good left fielder. Yeah, <laughs> was that a good amazing? Yeah. Imagine Posada and left. You know, come on, uh, Jorge. <laughs> and and uh, I love the fact that Steinbrenner kicked. Uh, he fired him. Yogi said, "I'm never going back." And for like what, 15 years, he didn't. That's that old Italian game. Imagine that. Imagine I was that? actually at. I was actually at Old Timers Day when he finally. It was, was there like it was like all right you know it's enough's enough like let's get yogi in there and he comes out in his little cart and he comes around the outfield right. uh, outfield track i'm like holy shit like all because all because there. of susan waldman was like <laughs> this is bullshit yogi should be a yankees <laughs> that's really how it was i i went to the last i think i was at the last time yogi made an appearance at mm. Timers day and it was him and whitey ford on a golf cart and uh, I, I had good seats. I remember, like, I was like, wow, like, they really look, they they don't, I think this. I was it like 110 degrees that day? I might, yeah, it might have been. Because I, I think I was at that one, too. Yeah, I remember going, <laughs> I, I, I was able to get a good look. And I remember saying, like, I forget who I was with. I remember saying, I, I don't think Whitey Ford or Yogi are going to be around next year. Mm. I mean, physically, they were around, but they were, you know, they no more public appearances. But, uh, so wait a minute mm-hmm. now. You've also, listened. you had a full career now. Uh, the 61 thing we were like you know being fanboys here but um so tell me a little about you uh you started out um i I noticed that you were a casting director were you working in a casting office or you yourself just helped out your buddies that were doing films? i had worked for a a production company early on in my career and they gave me like an associate i guess it was about four feature films four four or five feature films so i was like the associate producer the, the assistant director, I was in the movies, and I also, uh, you know, cast them. Because I, right. I had an agency back in the day. So I would kind of cast through my own, like, agency that I had. So was I it a talent them. agent? Talent agency? Yeah. You, had, you, you, were, you owned a talent? talent? Getting involved here from the Omni. You, yeah. So I didn't know that. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I probably okay. sent you one of my shitty resumes. Me and Artie Lang <laughs> probably did that. Probably did. You probably said no to me too, you fat bastard. What the <laughs> hell is that? <laughs> Fuck well, Yogi. Brugazi Entertainment Group, and then we had Brugazi's model and talent. But it was mostly the 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 girl with women. I had mostly like models, and these movies were like you know the late night Cinemax, you know, right, romantic right. comedy. I know you did some HBO Real Sex stuff, which was a big yeah. show back in the yeah. day. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, there's a lot of those, you know, like sexy romantic comedies and things like that. So right. they always wanted the hot girls. And so I had them on my roster. You know, it's funny looking over your IMDb. I, I, I'm, you know, uh, you're, you've had you have so many credits and uh, different things. You know, a lot of actors and you're going to read everybody. You know, you get movies like 61 in the family, but that's not what it's all about. It's about working on a film or a TV show. And unfortunately, you and I. Doing this long enough, some of the films and TV shows that we do are not, uh, you know, they're not, they don't win Academy Awards, but but you get a day's pay, you get to work with some great yeah. actors, and the movie maybe is not that good, or and so a lot of your, a lot of both of our resumes really are filled with these films that, and I think it's great you produce some of them and acted in them, and I, it's it's really awesome, and plus the back in the day with, with uh, Billy DeMeo over there, now you got to tell me your, 
you're uh, you're working on something, or you just shot something. By the way, you haven't cast me since back in the day. That's okay. What am I playing? Uh, what am I playing with the Expos now? Nobody cares up there. Um, when he says back in the day, he means the name of the movies back yeah, in the day. Yeah, I, I was I was lost. Paul, yeah, the movies back in the day. Back in the day. I well, you know, between the pandemic and the strike, I hadn't been directing a lot, but now. I'm directing this. Uh, well, we just shot the pilot episode, right. but it's going to be a series called uh, "The Jailhouse Jerky Crew," oh, and it's, wow. uh, my, it's it's pretty. It's very funny. I'm writing it with my cousin Tony Darrow, who's right. uh, we're producing it together. I'm directing it, and uh, it's it's about. It, real wait a minute, is is Tony Darrow the guy in Goodfellas? It's a fucking shit. Well, in the restaurant. Yeah, no, he gets the bottle broken over his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dude. Out. That's the, that's literally last week's my episode. My story last week was with Peyton Manning. The scene in, in Goodfellas when he's signing off the restaurant is after yeah, he says, and he says it's a fucking shame. So I'm on a I'm on a commercial <laughs> set. I'm repeating myself from last week, but Paul doesn't really know this. I was on a commercial with Peyton Manning and he was doing lines from movies all over. And then he realized I was in Beer League and he knew a few of those, believe it or not. And I told him I'm Johnny Trinnell about at 706. And he started doing Goodfellas. And I just said to him, Hey, you know, Peyton, when you when we do these movies, it's kind of fun when you do like throwaway lines that's how you know someone really knows the movie not the major punchlines and i said the guy who owns the restaurant when he's signing it away he he says it's a fucking shame and peyton really started to laugh so after every take when they yell cut i would whisper in his ear it's a <laughs> fucking shame and i can't believe it's just a weird I, this show that's has weird fun. connections and uh, that's funny because tony it wasn't scripted like that either there was supposed to be a whole bunch of dialogue where De Niro comes over his phone and he starts talking about the restaurant, losing the restaurant. Right, right. And Tony said, when they said, Morty said action, he goes, I just felt it. Like, and I just said, it's a fucking shame. And Morty was so like, good. Morty called everybody off. Like, no, no, don't go through with the rest of the scene. Like, that's perfect. That's all right. I want. And he really does the scene before he gets hit in the head. Cause you know, it's the, uh, uh, you know, that scene, famous scene with Pesci. Um, Shine boxing. <laughs> No, it's the one oh. where you think I'm funny. I'm funny how. Oh, you know, oh, oh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But the way he comes up to them, really calm. Hey, uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, so, with the bill. Uh, the bill. The way he does that is uh, you tell it. Jimmy Plumbo says you're awesome. I love it. So this is a pilot you're shooting. Um, yeah, I told I told him he was doing the show with you today. He knows. Uh, he knows. I said, I'm, you know, yeah, I've seen him. I know. There's another guy I've seen at auditions, but when I see him, I think he's like, you know, uh, uh, high atop Mount Olympus over there. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this guy's, you know. Whenever I see actors, I do you agree with this statement? You ever, you ever see people that really don't care about once they're in the business, they don't care about showbiz anymore. I, I think once you lose that, you lose. Like if I'm at an audition in the room and I see like. Tony Darrow, the guy from, I'm like, ah, oh. like when do some of these actors stop becoming fans of our own industry? I mean, like anytime, you know what I mean? I think it's great when you see these know. guys and you get, like, I get excited about it. I think it's great. Tony just kind of stepped into it. I mean, he's a comedian and a singer and right. he was doing a job in Atlantic city. He hadn't done one acting job yet. Um, great. And his agent said, listen, I got an audition for you. You know, and he goes, I, I can't go to an audition. I got two shows today. It's in New York. I'm in Atlantic City. He goes, it's a big deal. You get on a helicopter and you go in. This is Martin Scorsese. He said, I kind of knew who Martin Scorsese was, but I wasn't really sure. And he goes, no, I, I don't think I want to do that. And he goes, no, you get on a helicopter and you go audition for Martin Scorsese. It's unbelievable. Yeah, so Tony goes in and he's like, oh, geez, you know, who's this going to be like? And then he, he meets, you know, they're all lined up, like, you know, in a dais there for the audition. 
And then he says, this is a true story. Tony says, uh, he says, how you doing? He goes to shake his hands and he goes, and he said something to him like, he goes, and you, you made me fly all the way from fucking Atlantic City. I was in the middle of a job. I don't care. Ah, I'm going to come and get you. And Scorsese stopped and Tony said, oh shit, I made a mistake. Like I'm doing shtick. Shtick is only good for the stage. I shouldn't do it here. And Scorsese goes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Oh, that's wow. great. He goes, I want wow. you to play Sonny Buns. And then, and he didn't even, then he didn't even have him read the lines. Oh, wow, shit. I yeah. love so, it. So, be, so basically, being himself got him the got him the job. That's great. That's awesome. Great. Oh That's so my funny. god. So you you shot the pilot. Now, what have you? Uh, you you're living up in uh, you live in Old Japan, right? Or ta Japan? Well, Old Japan's New Jersey. I'm I'm uh, you know I'm in and out of the city in in Tapan, New York, which is okay. Rockland County, 15 minutes from the George okay. Washington. It's right over there. You you live near the uh the 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 other bridge too or no? The... Yeah, the Tappazee Bridge is like ten minutes from me. George okay. Washington Bridge is fifteen minutes from me. And I know you're unbelievably active in all kinds of Sons of Italy Hall and Italian American yeah. societies. It's awesome. I always see you post stuff. Are you still doing that? Um... Yeah, I've been a long time member of of the Glovelt Sons of Italy, and yeah. uh, we have an Italian feast and carnival every year. Yeah, I couldn't go last year. I was pissed. I wanted. I was. Oh, I, yeah. I was away. It or was something. great. You know, it's, I did it. I've done it. Doing it for twelve years now. I'm the the entertainment director and the MC and the pub, the PR person. And, but we have thousands and thousands of people, and we raise a lot, a lot of money for charity. Right. And everyone you know and I know come. Yeah, it's yeah. Performers. Uh, Dominic Chinesi sings at the feast. Al Sapienza sings at the feast. I mean, Louis Venarius sings at the feast. I have all That's our great. actor friends that sing. Right. Uh, and then plus we have all the guests. Like this year we honored Bobby Moresco and Tony Darrow and previous years, Danny Aiello and right. um, Armand Asante. Danny was great. Danny lived right next in my town uh, for a long time. I got to, I did some stand up with him and his daughter's in town. She's cool too. Um, love Danny. We get everybody. That's great. Awesome. I know it's a pretty big fest. I saw a lot of your posts. I'm like, I, I couldn't go. I don't know why I couldn't go. You, you even said, Jimmy, come on by. Come up and bust balls. I was like, ah, I totally want to yeah. do it. I couldn't do it. I was mad at myself. Um, it's a fun four days. It's a four-day feast. Right. The I don't know what the pilot that we're doing right now is kind of – it's funny because it's a, it's a pilot episode, and there's a, there's a product. There's an actual product, and it's called – this is real beef jerky. It's called uh, – This is great. It's called Jailhouse. You see Tony on there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's and, great. And he says, what's your beef? Right, so yeah, like, it's a real. So they, these guys wanted to do something with the now. Product. Wait a minute, is that that's available? It's a real product that's available oh, on the show. You know, you know, next podcast brought to you by the Jailhouse. Yeah, Jailhouse I'm shirt. totally gonna do that every week to bust balls. No <laughs> doubt. So, so these guys. So I'll give you a real brief thing on it. Real brief. So these guys get out of jail, and Tony's the boss, tough Tony, and he sits him down and he says. All right, guys, you know, you did your time. You kept your mouth shut. You did the right thing. We'll give them the opportunity to start earning again. So they start coming up with ideas. and Don't do anything to draw red flags to us. Make long story short, they come up with the idea. It's near Christmas. They're going to uh, hijack a tractor trailer that's supposed to be uh, full with uh, electronics. So they call the boss after they hijack. And we got good news and bad news. The good news is we hijacked not one but two tractor trailers because one was right after the other. We pulled them both over. What's the bad news? Well, the bad news, they weren't filled with high-end electronics. They were filled with beef jerky. So, <laughs> so they got two tractor trailers full of beef jerky. They load them into the warehouse. It's like, what are we going to do now to sell this, move this stuff? You know, so they wind up coming with this crazy idea to repackage oh, them. That's great. That sounds funny as hell. And put the boss's face on it. And at first he doesn't like the idea of it, but then it, it becomes successful. So it becomes an ongoing series about, you know, this now, like about right. 
wise guys. It's and it's a comedy. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Right, right, it's, right. It's right. a lot of fun. You know, uh, Chuck Zito's in it. Uh, I, ah, Chuck Zito. I, I did the Scott Farrell yeah. show with him a couple times. Scott yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Louis Venari is in it. Nick Saglambeni, who's the number one Guido on Instagram, he's very funny. I yeah, yeah. kind of discovered him on there. And uh, wait, uh, that is that the guy who does the Italian father, like the guy with the big gut? No, no, he does. Uh, oh man, a, I thought the name sounded the familiar. One, he does the schmear. He does that whole thing about the the cream cheese schmear. Respect for the schmear. I think I've it, seen that. Yes, he has yeah, a yeah, thing yeah. where he goes. He goes into these delis and. You know, it looks at the bagel and the cream cheese, and if there's not enough cream cheese, he's like, "Yo, bro, where's the respect for the schmear? There's no cream cheese on his bagel." <laughs> I do know that <laughs> is. I do know that is. So That's we have, uh, uh, and then we had like another episode. William DeMeo did something a very a surprise role that I'm not going to say because it's something completely different than anything he's done. He's in it. Bo Deedle's in it. This is the pilot episode now. Don't forget, right. we have future episodes, Jimmy. Sure. Of course, we, yeah. Of you course, of course, I that, I'm available. Well, well, listen, I I also laughed at something uh, 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 that made me laugh. And I'm, I, if I insult you now, you're gonna, you're gonna laugh. You're gonna kill me. That's so funny to me. You do all this Italian stuff, and I'm reading your bio. I I, I did more research for your segment than I think any guest I've ever had. Because I was like, holy <laughs> really? shit, I didn't know the guy did this. And all of a sudden, I'm reading you the way it is in your bio, Italian American side, uh, Italian, all, all these things, your charitable work that you do, and you're in a lot of Italian movies. Direct, and all of a sudden it says he also did Macbeth as part of the uh, <laughs> uh, the Italian. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, my mind immediately went to like, you know, hey, like, <laughs> what, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, did he do Macbeth Italian style, or did uh, he yeah. really do? I uh, actually did Shakespeare back in back back oh, in the day. I yeah, love it. I, I love played Banquo. Um, I thought you do. I, I, you know, to be and not to be. Go fuck yourself. That kind of shit. You know I had mean? a friend that sees me that came to see it. He goes, I, I never heard of Banco to sound on Banquo, who sounded like he was from Brooklyn before. <laughs> That's great. But <laughs> you did Shakespeare. Oh, I'm my from God. the Bronx. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. I felt like I just had to do it just to do it once. Oh, I, I don't think I could. God bless you. That's yeah, I, I, I don't know if I was good, Jimmy, but I did. You, you went from doing the hunks of Central Florida to Macbeth. You, you, you are like you the, are like the this, range on this guy. You are jack of all trades here. No, really. Shay. Back in the day, I was producing and directing. Well, back in the day when Playboy was the girl next door, remember? Right. I mean, it was the girl next door, natural. Then Playboy changed to like right. they couldn't have boob jobs, they couldn't be strippers, and then they completely sold themselves out and mm. they turned into porn. And it became, they became was, the Knicks. Yeah, when, when Playboy was, you know, like the girl next door stuff. I was producing and directing videos to the Playboy catalog and they were sending me to like, you know, spring break trips and things like that to right. direct and shoot all this stuff. Rough and then life. Playboy jumped on the boat. So I was like, really, the only person who's producing and directing for both Playboy and Playgirl catalog. Of course, you see the good side of the Playboy. Because yeah, I see you have another women. credit called uh, Mr. Nude Universe. What? The well, there wasn't, they weren't really nude. But, but they say that. Uh, I've got, I'm just yeah. saying, I, I don't know anything about it. I, but listen, a gig's a gig. I well, listen, the good thing was the Playboy ones, obviously you have, even when you want a spring break trip to shoot it, they sent you five ringers, you know, with you, and you'd mingle them in with this college girl. So if there was a wet t-shirt uh, contest, you know, you had your ringers in there to, to make sure that it was a good contest. Right, right, right. Shot the other stuff for the Prey Girl stuff. There was so many women around that wanted to be, and it was only a few of the Playgirl models. So little old, little director me, you know, you know, you're in more demand than you would have been normally under those. Right, right, absolutely. I'll do it. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to save it. Don't go. Yeah, take one for the team. You know? Yeah, that's so great. That's so great. <laughs> that's great. Well, listen, um, 
Uh, you got uh, send me the beef jerky information. I'll be reading that on the podcast just to have some fun. I think it's cool. Um, yeah. And uh, it is available. Can you buy that stuff now? Yeah, it's actually just hitting the uh, hitting the stores this week. It's going to be in all kinds uh, of supermarkets. Send me the send me like the website or whatever, whatever the hell it is. I will. I'll, I'll do a read next week. And you got your pilot plus other crap going on. That's awesome. You're a working actor director. I think it's great. Um, and you've always been very nice and very kind. And uh, uh, and we're supposed to have we're supposed to grab lunch. Uh, like four times. Well, we'll do that. We have to do it close enough. We live I know. There. I think you're only like 25 half hour for me, if that, something like yeah. that. And my so niece we'll lives, that. In, lives near uh, in Mawa. So I know. I so either you come to see your niece or I come to see you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, we'll do it. That's great. Listen, Paul, and it's Paul Borghese, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I was like, I, it's my real name and same with my cousin Tony Darrow. Our last names are Borghese without the H. Back in the day, they made Tony change his name because they said Borgesi, it's too ethnic. We're going to call right. it B-A-R. Me, I'm born Borgesi, so it's Borgesi, but then oh, I threw the H in there as a stage name, and it became Borgesi. Okay, so you go, so it's really Borgesi, but you say Borgesi. I only know okay. you as Borgesi. So. Borgesi, everybody so. does. That's great, that's great. Listen, man, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and uh, listen, let's get lunch, and God bless, and I'll get information on the... The uh, the beef jerky, which is great. And, uh, you know what? Jerky.com. And, and, and call up uh, call up Yogi's granddaughter. I want to have her on. Lindsay, and, uh, I'll talk to Lindsay for you. Yeah, and uh, I I contact. Well, she went back and forth a little bit, but then she probably realized that. You know, I don't know. Whatever she realized. She's very uh, nice. I'll yeah, she seems sweet. I saw her in interviews. I'm like, oh, this girl seems really cool. And uh, that's it, man. I appreciate it. I love you, and I will talk to you soon, my man. I love Thanks you guys. Rob, Thanks. Paul. All right. Stay safe in the snow. Bye bye. Yes. All right. Paul Borghese getting it. Awesome. That was, that was a so lot of cool. fun, man. A lot of fun. Uh, and uh, He's got a great little scene in, in the family coming off the train when they first get into town. He, mm. he looks like such a badass and he's such a nice guy. It's so great. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, this show, once again, getting involved. Uh, don't forget Pine Tar Bar and Grill and Fork and River and Lisa Ruane, uh, counselor, therapist, 201-725-1251. And... Um, that's about it. Cornholelevel.com. Dave, we didn't have, I didn't have a chance to fix your cornhole. Sorry. And, uh, Fixed. <laughs> well, that was good. Good show. Um, I, I thought Paul's great. Oh, great. So many fun. All those days. He's cool. Very cool Yogi, guy. I can't believe. I would kill for, you know. Uh, just imagine. I, just like, hey, listen. I know you can't bat switch hitter, so. Uh, we're going to get you some help. And you're like, oh, it's going to be some random trainer. Like, no, no, no. Yogi Bear is going to come help you out. And I'm like, like Yogi, I would be like, you know, and, uh, of course, the sad thing is if Yogi tried to teach Johnny Trinnell how to hit, that wouldn't go over well. Nah, I think, Yogi, no, no, no. relax, Yogi. Yeah, like, you, didn't average, 706. Yogi. <laughs> you didn't bat 706. You didn't bat 706. You imagine Fun. that? I, oh, my God. It's awesome. Plus, I know you when you're training and all that, that you get paid. So yeah, they, yeah. they all made they made nice coin, which is always mm -hmm. important. Show Bro, they, they flew him out to LA just for the table ah. read. <laughs> oh my god, I'm trying to get on Blue Bloods for a day. <laughs> uh, and other news, just want to let you guys know, my Colonial Pen commercial yes. is airing on and TV I'm witness Land. to it. I saw it, and it's, it's fucking so, great. Yeah, and uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, um, maybe we'll have more. We, we we can't really post it yet on the show because I don't know mm -hmm. what the legal ramifications are. We'll find out about that. And that's about it. Um, Go Rutgers at a big game against Northwestern. Let's see if they can keep the dream alive of making a tournament. Uh, I guess that's it, Dave. That's all we got. And we're in, yeah, well, by uh, the way, baseball started, was it yesterday? Uh, well, pitchers and catchers um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, I will give the audience 
one and only one little little uh, 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 little sneak preview here. Preview. I'll need. I'll need. Oh, that's so that's great. great. Fun All show, right. man. Thank you so yes, much. Sir. All right. All right. And a Take shout care, out, Daryl Clark. Thanks. Thanks.